the Lord. But if you would stand with me, open your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 2, book of Acts, chapter 2. As we're celebrating the day of Pentecost, we're going to walk through this text of Scripture. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When you got it, say so. And it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and then this sound, when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking, saying they are full of new wine. Father, we humble ourselves before your word in these moments that we have together. Holy Spirit, we've honored you in our worship today and the songs that we have sung. We have welcomed you, and hopefully we have submitted our hearts unto you. And I pray, Lord God, in these next few moments as we are in your word that you would speak to us. Give us ears to hear what you, Holy Spirit, are saying to your church. Captivate our minds, captivate our hearts. Direct our thoughts, Lord God, not just to be hearers of your word, but to be doers of it. We pray that you would be glorified, God. Remove all distractions from our minds. And we pray all these things in Jesus' strong name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, you can raise your hand and the ushers will be sure to get you an outline. And as a way of reminder, in the outline, you'll see a couple of QR codes there. If you're a guest with us for the first time and you didn't fill out the, the um the guest information card, you can do that there electronically. Also, if you have a petition, if you have a prayer request and you want us to pray for you, you know, that's a good place for you to utilize that in order for us to know how we can pray for you. And so, and you look at your outline here, in the beginning of your outline, it says dates matter. They are set on calendars to remind us of significant moments in history that should be remembered and recognized by all as important. Pentecost is one of those moments. It's a day that's on the church's calendar liturgically every year. We don't, we don't always make a big emphasis about it. This year was a very special one. And what I mean why we don't make a big emphasis is that we you know, definitely mention it, but we don't make a whole service about that. But this year, for those of you who, who were unaware, uh, we just did this prayer at the end, and it's because 
because for the last 21 days, we have been engaged. And when I say we, I mean the body of Christ. Millions of Christians have literally been fasting and praying and seeking the Lord. And actually today in Jerusalem, there are tons and tons of Christians that are gathered there that are worshiping the Lord, that are seeking to make God known over there. So just a powerful thing that we could be part of that millions, and when I say millions, that's not an exaggeration. I mean, they had to count like 15 million the last time that I knew of people that had committed to being in prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord. The International House of Prayer, they actually were doing songs. You could have gone on there any of the days and you could have seen them singing songs and praying specifically for Jerusalem. Just a powerful, powerful moment of what God is doing in these end times. And so, again, today is the day of Pentecost. It's a day that's important. And although we don't necessarily follow the liturgical calendar perfectly in our um, in our worship, we do make mention of it because this day is very important to the church because, again, it's on the calendar for a reason. It is to remind us of something that happened extremely powerful in our history as a church. Ironically, in your outline here, this year, Pentecost Sunday and Memorial Day are back-to-back. This happens sometimes. And we give thanks to God for all of those who have died for the freedoms we enjoy as a country. As I, was, as I was thinking about Memorial Day, and, and I'm just going to be totally confessional and honest with you, you know, I, 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 have, I have history, like I'm not the greatest history guy, but I have history and, and I understand and I, and, and I know what the day is about. But, you know, this morning I, as I was preparing, I did a Google search, right, Memorial Day. And, and an article popped up, and the article was five things you needed to know about Memorial Day. I don't remember the article. I'll share it with you guys on Realm. But, but there, there was five things there that, that were supposed to be known about Memorial Day. And the reason why I was drawn to it was because one of them was the, the contention that is surrounding Memorial Day. And, like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, why would there be any contention around Memorial Day? Like, there's no reason to have contention around Memorial Day. And, unfortunately, in the nation we live in, there's contention around everything. <laughs> someone's going to complain about something about no matter how good it is, there's going to be an issue with whatever it is. Anyway, I, I was looking at this, and, and, I, and, and forgive me because my history, you know, my recollection wasn't that great. But as I was reading this, I realized that the, the origins of Memorial Day go all the way back to the Civil War. I was like, huh, now I see why there's some tension around the day. And even on when was the first celebration, but something that, that happened in Memorial Day was that the, 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 the wives of the, of the Union fighters, they went on a particular day and they put flowers on the graves of all of those who died fighting for freedom in this nation. And, and as I looked at that, in 1871, an abolitionist, you guys would know his name, Frederick Douglass, he feared Americans were forgetting the, Civil's War, the Civil War's impetus, enslavement. When he gave a Decoration Day, that's what it was called originally, Decoration Day, speech at Arlington National Cemetery, these were his words, he said, we must never forget that the loyal soldiers who rest beneath this sod flung themselves between the nation and the nation's destroyers. Dates matter. And so when we, when we think about that, right, it's, we, 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 we are thankful for every single soldier, for every single military person that has ever given their life. But the origin of this day wasn't just for soldiers just, just in general. It was for specific soldiers who fought for, who fought for a specific freedom. 
And so when we think about Memorial Day, I hope that I, it changed my perspective on Memorial Day. Because we think about Memorial Day and we, we think about the sales that are there. We think about the barbecues we're going to do. You see, there's a few extra empty seats today. Obviously, some people thought about the three-day getaway. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad you made it, you know, because I would have been by myself if you didn't. But, but, but nonetheless, right, I mean, they actually said, like, this year, the, 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 the expectations of travel is, like, astronomical. But nonetheless, we, when we think about Memorial Day, there, there, is, there is a deeper root. There's a deeper reason for it. And, and in that same breath, going back to your outline there, in that same breath, we should remember what began at Pentecost, at Pentecost gave life to the church that would engage in a spiritual battle that cost many their lives to ensure generation after generation would know the truth could set them free. When we look at the day of Pentecost, realize this, and I, I love this. One writer has been translated as saying, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And so since our beginning, you read the book of Acts not far into our history as a church, and you see James is beheaded, and you see persecution rose up. And what, 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 he, what, what the writer of that particular quote is saying is that the blood of the martyrs, you, you think you're killing the church. No, what you're doing is you're causing the church to spread. And 2,000 years later, we are here, we're doing what? We're worshiping a risen Savior and thinking about a day when the Spirit of God came down in a powerful, powerful way. This morning, what I want to speak on is a message entitled, A Faithful Promiser. And it is our God who is a faithful promise. And what I want you to think about this morning, and when we think about Pentecost, is that Pentecost reminds us of God's faithfulness to fulfill his covenant promises. Amen? Pentecost reminds us of God's faithfulness to fulfill his covenant promises. One of the things that I've loved over these last 21 days is that, and again, I want to just say, the reason why I brought these three ladies up here and you didn't see anybody change from week one is because they're the only ones who got up to pray with me. I'm just saying, I'm saying. Greg made it a couple of days. I got to give him credit. He made it a couple of days. Hallelujah. Yolanda made one day. Praise the Lord. I appreciate that. But they made it every day, every day. They got up. Glory to God. Some of you might have been up. You just didn't know how to get on Zoom, and that's okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know. But anyway, for 21 days, what we did, there, we, we have a page, and I'll send it to you guys as well. But we had a page where there were 21 prayers for Israel. And in, in that page of the 21 prayers for Israel, it was just Scripture that were prophetic words, that were covenant words that God made for Israel. And I don't, I don't know, you know, and it was funny because it, one, one day I remember Raquel praying, and she's like, Lord, you know, we're like repeating the same things, but, but we're thankful. But, but that's what God tells us to do, right, in Isaiah 62, to continue to remind him of what he said, right? You see, we, we, we have something. We have his word that we can declare over our lives, do we not? Over our lives as followers of Jesus, the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And so any of the promises of God that are our covenant words, we can say, Lord, we declare these words over our family. We declare these words over our situation. We declare these words over our circumstances. We can do that. And so what we did was we did the same thing with Israel. We declared the word of the Lord over Israel. And that's what we should be doing in our lives, right? We should be people of the book. We should be people who are in God's word. Who, why? Because I know what God's will when I get into God's word. I know what his will is. I, I know what God wants to do. I know what God has promised to do. I know what God has said he would do if and only if I'm in his word. Because that's where it is. It's not what I feel. Huh? Because some days, I don't know about you, some days I feel like, yo, God is for me. Hallelujah. 
There are some days I feel like, yo, God got my back. He is there with me. And there are other days that I'm like, Lord, where you at? And if I live by my feelings, my feelings would probably lead me away from the Lord because my heart, as the, as the songwriter wrote, my heart is prone to wander. Hello, somebody. I don't know, I don't know that hymn very well, but nonetheless, I know the words, <laughs> the title. My heart is prone to wander. My, my, my heart, I, I believe the lies of the enemy that God is not for me, that God has forgotten. The same way that Israel can do that. And that's the reason why God spoke through the prophets time and time again to do what? To remind Israel, and most of the time these writings were while Israel was was in bondage or in captivity, it was to remind them that in the midst of your captivity, because of your rebellion and disobedience, I have not forgotten you. I made a covenant with you way back in the day with a guy named Abraham. He said yes. We're going to talk about Abraham on Father's Day, by the way. Come back and hear that message. Father Abraham. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going <laughs> to... But way back in the day, he made a covenant with Abraham that continues on. The fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He made a covenant with David. And because of these covenants, God is going to fulfill his purposes. And so God, when we look at the day of Pentecost, it reminds us of God's faithfulness to fulfill his covenant promises. And so I want you to know this, this message today will be a little bit different than normal because I'm going to have you all reading along with me a lot. And there's a reason for this. It's because I really wanted us to look at Pentecost from a historical perspective. I wanted us to grasp because here's the other thing, too, is, you know, when, when, we're, when we're looking at God's word and we're not looking at it within its original context, we miss the full blessing that is there. And so I wasn't sure if you would read all this by yourself, so I'm going to just read it to you. Hello. <laughs> and you can read along with me, and we can look at the foundations here. But the first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this, say, the historical background of Pentecost should be considered. <clears throat> The historical background of Pentecost should be considered. So there is no detail, and you should know this as you read God's word. There is no detail in Scripture that should be ignored. There is no date that is given. There is no name that is included or anything else the Holy Spirit inspired men to write should be passed over. Let me say it again. We can look at God's word, and in a couple of weeks, we're gonna, or next week, we're going to start a, a mini-series on God's word. But when you look at God's word, these are words that are divinely breathed words. These are words that God has given us, and so when we are looking at these words, I know that there are parts that can seem like, why is that in there? It is there for a reason. You're going through, you know, you're going through chronicles and numbers, and you're like, Lord, help me, hallelujah, and, and you're falling, stand up, glory to God. <laughs> stand up, read it standing so you don't fall asleep. It's there for a reason. Listen, you, 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 I'm not a, listen, I'm, I'm not like, history is not my favorite subject, right? So I'm not looking at these names like, oh my goodness, who is this? I'm like, I can't even pronounce half the names, glory to God, right? <laughs> but God inspired them for us so that way we would know how trustworthy God's word is. That when we look at the word of God, that we can trust this book, that we can trust what is being said in here because the history, the geography, the dates, they are all accurate. If they're not, they got kicked out. That's another topic for another day. They'll deal with this in a couple of weeks. 
But, the, but, but, but when we're looking at God's word, there is no date, there is no detail that we should not pay attention to. There is no coincidence that God chose to fulfill his promise to his disciples to empower them and baptize them with fire and give them the gift of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. There's no coincidence in that. God was doing what he promised that he was going to do in a way that he wanted to do it. And so what is Pentecost? So here's where we'll start reading together, all right? So just track with me. If you're taking notes, take notes. You can take pictures. I'm also going to send this out in an email in Realm. So you'll be able to look at these notes later on and study them for yourselves. But what was Pentecost? So Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, was the second major festival of the, Isra- the Israelite liturgical calendar, um, Shavuot in Hebrew. The Feast of Weeks is more exactly uh, the Feast of Seven Weeks. For beginning on the day after Passover, which is when Jesus dies, right? The 16th of Nisan, the Israelites counted 49 days then commenced the celebration of the Feast of Weeks on the following day. You see that in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Because it fell on the 50th day after Passover, weeks was also called Pentecost. That is 50, and you see that here in these other passages. And so Pentecost, what what is it? It's an agricultural feast, right? Now, 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 let me pause for a moment as, as I'm reading here. It's important to realize Israel's, Israel's looking at the Pentecost as something that is significant to them, right? It's, it's not just another thing. Like, again, when we read the scriptures, I think we get lost, right, in, in trying to read it because this is how most of us read the Bible. What is God saying to me? And, 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 and I don't want to discourage you from doing that because God, this is a book that was written for our inspiration, for our edification. God speaks to us through his word. Absolutely. But if you really want to hear what God is saying to you, you need to know what God originally said to the people he wrote this to. And so looking at this, this is a, this is a, we, 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 we don't even think about grain, right? I mean, unless you're like on a diet or something like that, right? <sighs> trying to be gluten-free or something, I don't know, but, 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 but we don't think about harvesting. Like, how many of you harvest? All of us. None of us. <laughs> I mean, we might harvest things, right? But this, this is not like our livelihood, right? Like, like this, in, this isn't where we get all of our food from. All right, so, so, so just track with me here, right? So Pentecost is an agricultural feast. Believers presented to the Lord two loaves of bread made from fine flour and baked uh, with, with leaven as the first fruits of the wheat of harvest, right? And so just skip down with me to uh, uh, the next sentence here. The, the, since, since the first sheaf of the barley harvest was presented to Yahweh on the day after Passover, right? So you got the barley harvest. And the first sheaf of the wheat harvest was offered 50 days later. Passover and Pentecost marked the beginning and end of the grain harvest, right? So this is, this is an important time for them. They're, they're recognizing God's blessing, what God has done for them. Over time, though, Pentecost came to be celebrated as the anniversary feast of the giving of the law or the establishment of the covenant at Sinai, right? This is, this is attested in the Jewish writings, such as Jubilees in the first century B.C. and the Babylonian Talmud. There are also hints of this in in the Old Testament itself. And so again, I just want you to realize the mindset. The reason why I'm reading this is because I want you to think about the mindset of the people that are in Israel at this moment. They are there. They're celebrating God's provision for them. They're celebrating what God has provided, how God has blessed them in this season that they are looking at the things that God has done. And then there is another point that we need to look at. The Israelites celebrated what is known as the Jubilee year during the 50th year following every seven Sabbaths of 
years or 49 years. During this year, an ancestral land that Israel, any ancestral land that Israelite families had sold was given back to them. Also, any Israelite who, induced by poverty, had sold himself or been sold into slavery to a fellow Israelite regained his liberty. Not only the people, but the land itself was freed from being worked. Therefore, because of the Jubilee year, the number 50 is closely associated with the remission of debts, emancipation of slaves, and rest within God's protective care. Like the festival held every 50 years, so the festival held every year on the 50th day proclaimed the following. Number one, God had freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. Number two, he had fulfilled his promise to give them the Holy Land. And number three, he provided rest for them from their labors. Do you think this had some significance to Israel? Very important to them, right? It was an important day. So for us, what do you think about Pentecost wasn't, the point is this, is that Pentecost wasn't just another day on the calendar. It was an appointed day in which God was speaking loud and clear to his people, and he's speaking loud and clear to us today. And what is he saying? Well, we should be encouraged that God never wastes a moment in our lives. Are you happy about that? He never wastes a moment in our lives. His timing is purpose, it is perfect, and it is purposeful. And we can rest assured that he is working all things out for, his, for our good and for his glory. When we look at Pentecost, we see some fulfillment here. So let's move on because we're not done reading. Hallelujah. I know you thought we were done. I promise you our readings will be shorter. But nonetheless, the second thing I want you to repeat after me is this. Say the significance, the significance. of the Acts 2 day of Pentecost should be realized. And so we have Pentecost all the way up until this time. They're celebrating the things that we just looked at. But Acts 2 is a special Pentecost. It's a special day. And so here's what I want you to know. One author, he rightly points out that there are five direct correlations between the Old Testament Pentecost celebration and the Acts 2 Pentecost inauguration. Here they are really quickly. The first one is the 50 days of anticipation. So what do we have here? We have just as Israel waited 50 days for the, um, from the Feast of first fruits to Pentecost, Pentecost, so the disciples waited 50 days between the Passover resurrection to the Pentecost outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so God was doing something. Again, you got to know this. God works on a specific calendar, and I think the way that we see it, he works on the calendar that he established. Hello. And, and, and we, we, we can celebrate a whole bunch of stuff, and we can do a whole bunch of things, but we need to look at God's calendar, right? We need to look. There's so, when, 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 the reason why we joined in this prayer for Israel is because it is my firm belief that you look at what's happening in the Middle East, and you know what's going on in the world, especially the spiritual world. Hello. You see what's happening. You see the things that are going on there. They're significant, right? So we don't just ignore Israel, but again, they're there. There's this waiting moment. The second thing that he points out is first fruits of the Spirit. So during the first fruits, Israel gave God the first fruits of the harvest, sanctifying it wholly to the Lord. So let me pause here real quick before we keep reading. So when they gave the first fruits, right, what they were saying is, God, we are recognizing this is what you have given us, and so you will bless everything else that's coming. And so what we're saying is we're giving you the first fruits, saying thank you because this is proof that you're going to bless our lives, you're going to bless our harvest, and so they sanctified it wholly to the Lord. But look at what God does in this. In Acts, God fills the church with the first fruits of the Spirit, sanctifying us wholly to himself, spirit, soul, and body, Jew and Gentile alike. That's good. 
He gives us, so it was a first fruit celebration, but now he's giving the first fruits to his people birthing the church. The third thing, divine speech from divine fire. I love this. At Sinai, God spoke to Israel through the fire. Deuteronomy 4, verse 11. You can go back there. Don't do it now, please. But you can go back there and you can look at it. But he gave them his laws. At Pentecost, what does God do? God spoke to them through fire, proclaiming what? His wondrous acts. So God spoke in fire there in Sinai. Remember, this feast had come to be known as the giving of the law. So the, remi- the reminders of what happened to Israel in their original encounter with the Lord. And then the next one here is the preaching of a new covenant. If the Old Testament Pentecost was an annual celebration of the giving of the first covenant, then the New Testament Pentecost is an annual celebration of the giving of the new covenant. In the Old Testament, it equals fulfilled. It's what you got to do. In the New Testament, it equals fulfilled what God did. The fifth thing that he points out is the year of Jubilee. During the Old Testament year of Jubilee, there was a focus on freedom from bondage, the gift of the Holy Land, and rest from labor. Jesus bestowed all three of these gifts in greater measure during his ministry. We see that in Luke 4, 18 and 19. The spirit who anointed Jesus to work these deeds is the same spirit who came upon the apostles at Pentecost to preach what? Freedom from sin, the gift of the kingdom of God, and rest in the atoning work of Jesus. You think Pentecost has some significance? There's some significance there. So again, when the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost, there was a shift. God did a few significant things, as we just pointed out. But I'd like to point out three more, and then we'll move on here. The first one is this. He fulfilled his promise to his disciples. Uh, He filled them with power so they would be his witnesses. What did he tell them? He told them that they were to wait in Jerusalem until they were endued with power. For what purpose? So they could be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, unto the ends of the earth. He He told them to wait. And so they were waiting there. They were waiting for 10 days straight. They were waiting because, remember... Jesus preached for 40 days, and then there was a 10-day waiting period in which they waited on God. They prayed. They sought the Lord. They were pursuing him, and as they pursued him, God suddenly moves and comes and comes with power in a mighty way. This meant, what does it mean? It meant the church that Jesus promised to build. Remember this now. Jesus said earlier when he asked his disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? And they told him, well, some say Elijah, some say a prophet. They gave him a list of names, and then he asked them the pointed question, who do you say I am? That's a question that we all have to wrestle with, right? Like, who do you say Jesus is? I know, what, I know who mom said Jesus is. I know who dad said Jesus is. I know who my brother said Jesus is. I know who my sister said Jesus is. I know who these people, but, but who do you say Jesus is? So Jesus asked them that question, and then Peter says, you are the son of God, right? You're the one, you're the Messiah we're waiting for. And then Jesus says that, surely, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, my father in heaven. And he said, and upon this rock... I will build my church, and he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. So he's saying that this building project is underway. His ambassadors were now empowered to extend the kingdom of God in the world in which they lived. That's what they were called to do. That's what we are called to do. Amen? When we think about Pentecost, we're not looking for an experience. We're praying that God fill us so we can be his ambassadors, so we can be the ones to extend the kingdom, but I'm getting ahead of myself. The second thing that we see here is that he brought a greater unity where there had been division. What happened here, languages were confused at Babel as men united to make themselves gods and objects of praise. At Babel, in the book of Genesis chapter 11, you see that they were building this tower up to the heavens so that way if they were scattered throughout the earth, 
that they would be remembered. And, that, and, and, and they were making memorial for themselves, and God was offended by that. He comes down, and he does what? He changes their languages. Now they're confused, and they're separated. And But what does God do? He comes down at Pentecost, and God gave the opportunity for men to be united in a greater way around his praises, around his son, around his sacrifice. And they heard all of this in their own tongues. The third thing, lastly, that I'll point out is that the new covenant promises made to Israel in the prophets like Joel, which Peter quoted and Ezekiel had been made a reality. I want you to think about this. If you look at your Bible here, let's just go to, go to our Bible really quickly before we keep reading here. But if you go to your Bible, you look at verse 14. So we, we already read verses 1 through 12 here, right? And so, or 1 through 13. And so we saw what happened. There was in verse 12. Let's just go back to verse 12 real quick. He says, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean, right? So there was amazement in the crowd. As to what was going on, the phenomenon that they had saw, that, that, that they saw and they heard, they were overwhelmed by that. And then obviously, you know, Satan always plants mockers there, right? And so the mockers are like, no, nah, these guys are just drunk. So we're going to deny God's work, right? We're going to deny something that is spectacular. We're going to deny something that is impossible. Now listen, I've been around a few drunk people in my life. And I want you to know, they don't speak other languages. They speak slur. Hello. I don't, I don't know what kind of alcohol they had back there. This must have been something special, right? Like when you got to a certain level of drunkenness, you started speaking like different languages perfectly, right? Like I, that's just stupid, right? I mean, but again, that's how the enemy operates, right? He'll say something. And you, but, but you know what? We look at this point here, and that's how the enemy is, right? He's saying a bunch of stupid stuff now. We're just, oh, yeah, that's true. No, it's not. <laughs> it's a lie. It is not true. It just sounds, oh, wow, I guess they're drunk. No, they're not. There's no way. That's not possible. Anyway, Peter goes on to defend this. <laughs> I wish Peter would have been like, are you crazy? Like, do, do you even understand what you just said? But Peter doesn't do that. He holds decorum or whatever. He's, more, 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 he's bold, and he says this, verse 14. We'll get there now. He says, but Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice and said, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Apparently, there was, there was, there was a chance it could have happened. Hello. It would have been another hour of the day. But at this hour, it wasn't possible. It says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men's, men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. You, you, you understand these words are for us. We shall proclaim the praises of God. We shall declare the words of the Lord. We shall declare the covenant truths of God. We shall prophesy. We shall, we shall speak under the inspiration and in the power of God's spirit. He goes on to say, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, the, you see the shift that took place 
There, there was a shift. It, you, it wasn't just calling on the name of the Lord uh, up until that point for salvation. You had to be a covenant person in order to call on the name of the Lord for salvation. God shifts it. He pours out his spirit upon sons, upon daughters, upon servants. Hello. He pours his spirit out upon everyone. He opens the door of salvation to all nations, to all from wherever you're from. He does, this is what God does. He shifts this whole thing. He makes it possible. Look at this, and this is, this is in, the, in, in the projection here. In, in Ezekiel, he says these words. He also says, says this in Jeremiah and other places. He says, I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Let me read that verse again. I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Followers of Jesus, stop embracing your old identity as sinner. Embrace your new identity as someone who has a new heart, as someone who is filled with the Spirit of God and who can, not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God, you can obey the statutes of the Lord. You can do what God commands. There is no excuse. You may need some more repentance. Come on now. You, 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 may need, you may need some more separating yourself from this world. You may need some more time in God's word. There is no excuse for sin that is perpetual and continual in the life of the one who is born again. Understand this. You are born again. When a child is born into this world, that child now has life. They, they, before the child was, the child was not. There was no existence. When the child is born, he now has life. She now has life. They're able to live a life when you are born again. The same, you, you, you are given new life. Oh, before you couldn't obey him continually. Oh, before you were bound in sin. But the moment that you trusted in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the moment that you put your faith in him, the moment that he filled you with his spirit, the moment that he sealed you until the day of your adoption and redemption, you are empowered as a new creation. That's the hope of the cross, is it not? And forgive me, I'm, I'm going to ask you to forgive me. Forgive me for any time that I called you sinners. Hello. Forgive me for any time that I got up in here and just said, we're just all a bunch of sinners. No, we're not. There are sinners in the room. Now, now, now I'm not saying that we don't have sin. I'm not saying that we don't struggle with our own. I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying is that you and I are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We no longer live under the power and dominion of our sinful nature. We live under the power and inspiration of the Spirit of the living God. We are new. Hello. We are new. Pentecost is a day that we are reminded that we are that God takes this heart of stone, this hard, rebellious, wicked heart. He yanks that out of us and he gives us a heart of flesh. 
He makes us sensitive. He makes us moldable. He makes us willing to align with him. See, the, 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 the reason why I got to say this about stop embracing your, your sinner, you know, part. And, and listen, I understand. I think Martin Luther said we're sinner saints. I get it. I get it. I get it. I preach it. I defended it. But you know why? Because, man, we, we walk around living defeated because we embrace that. It's like that's our primary identity. And I think, I'm just going to say this and I'm going to move on. But I think some people embrace that because they're like, well, I'm just a sinner, so I keep living how I want to live. I'll move on. One final note that I want to make about these scriptures that we read about Pentecost, when the, when the apostle re, um, says that when, he, when the apostle Peter begins to communicate these words, he begins to talk about the last days in which we live. The, the, the prophecy in Joel, it declares that we are beginning in that moment, the beginning of the last days. So here's the thing. We are living in the last days. We're just closer to the end of those days. We've been living in the last days since that moment. We've been living in the last days since that time. We've been living in the last days since then. And now we're seeing the, the fulfillment of more of those last day prophecies. And so we need to be ready for the coming of our Lord, the day that we look forward to if we're followers of Jesus. The third thing, I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say the right response, the right response. to Pentecost reality, reality is expected. So the apostle Peter, he gets up, he preaches this sermon. He Look at verse 22 with me. After he shares this prophetic word in verse 22, he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, look at these words, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh will also rest in hope. You will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak to you freely of, of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according again, that's covenant, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says to but, but he says uh, himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. 
That's a pretty pointed and pretty clear message, is it not? That's the gospel, my friends. That this Jesus who walked this earth was clearly the Son of God. He was clearly divine. He was clearly the Messiah who was to come. There is no, there is no um, confusion on the matter. He lets them know, y'all know this, hello. Y'all know about the signs and wonders. See, when, when people start talking about, no, the Bible doesn't say, the Bible makes crystal clear who Jesus is. And the apostle Peter makes it clear. This one, he died. And he didn't just die, y'all killed him. He put the blame straight on their shoulders and said, you guys crucified him. Unjustly, you killed him. But it was a predetermined plan of God. For what? Because he had to carry our sin. That's the gospel. So he preaches this gospel to them. I love this, verse 37, which brings us to the point that we are here. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. That new heart, right? And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Again, the point is what? The right response to Pentecost reality is expected. What should we do? Should we just sit here? We learned some history today. <laughs> Hopefully. We, we learned some lessons. We proved that those people weren't drunk in the upper room. We proved that it was stupid for, for us to believe it. But, 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 but what is the response that should happen? And so the apostle Peter gives them the answer. In verse 38 to verse 31, he says this, Then Peter said to them, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Let me ask you a question really quickly. Has anything changed here? Are we, are we living in a perverse generation? I, I, I would dare say we are living in one of the most perverse generations. And here's the only reason why I say one of the most is because here's the thing. All of the stuff that we're seeing in our days today is just the return to, to quote Jonathan Kahn. It is just the return of the gods of old. What we are seeing in our world today is the bowing down to the gods of, of old, the gods that we see in the scriptures, the gods that were about murdering children. Those are the gods that we're bowing down to today. The gods that were about all of the other stuff that we see in our culture going, those same gods are just rearing their big heads. And guess what? They've just found a platform to live on. That's all. That's all they, 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 they have just found a people. They have just found a group. They have just found people with money who would say, yeah, we'll bow to you because we like our flesh. We want to live our way. We want to do what we want to do. And those gods do what? They do the same thing that Satan did to Jesus in the wilderness. They tempt him, hey, we'll give you the world. Just bow to us. Just bow to us. That's what they do. They're just showing up again. And so we see these, listen, we need to be saved from this perverse generation. We can't think we're going to live in this generation and just be okay, unscathed, untouched by the world. No. We have to do it. Listen, if you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus, amen, you're praying that people who don't know him will know him. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, God calls you today, repent. Turn from your sin. Be baptized in the name of the Lord. Experience God's forgiveness. Experience new birth. Experience new life. 
That's what he says to us in here in this particular passage. And so again, looking at this, what is the response? Repentance and faith that produces enduring obedience. What do we see here in the book of Acts chapter 2? The church was birthed in the upper room, verses 2 through 5. It exploded in the streets of Jerusalem, verses 36 to verse 41. And it said, and here's the other thing, and it was extended to the world, verses 46 to 47. you got to remember the, 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 the writer of this book, Luke, he's writing this after 30 years of history. So he's saying, this is what happened. In Acts chapter 17, they're at the house of Jason, and they're there, and they're like, man, those who have turned the world upside down have come here. I'm just happy they came to Jason's house. Hello. <laughs> if you don't know, my first name is Jason. Hallelujah. So I was glad. I was glad. They just spelled it wrong. That's all. They just spelled it wrong. But no, no, no. But those who had turned the world upside down, how they turned the world upside down? Well, it started with repentance and faith that produced enduring obedience. Now, the purpose of Pentecost, which is what? To empower witnesses, rest upon us. How about that? See, it's good to know history, but it also is important to know our responsibility to it. The same way that Frederick Douglass said, hey, man, we don't want to forget the origin of Memorial Day. We don't want to forget the origin of Pentecost. There's a promise that is given to these people there, and it is that this be be filled, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to who? It's to you. It's to your children. It's to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. You know what God wants to do? As he continues calling people to faith, he wants to fill them with his spirit and send them out as witnesses. That's what we're called to do. And so I'm wrapping up. Here's what I want you to know. Church, if if you're not part of the body of Christ, God is not looking to give you a one-time experience. Are you here? He's he's not looking to give you a one-time experience, nor is he seeking our one-time response. He's not looking for you to raise your hand. He's not looking for you to pray a prayer. But he calls us into lifelong relationship with him and his people that have the capacity to change the world. Are you here? Do do, Do you see the evil in our world? We already said yes to that, right? Do you believe that? The the same God who came down at Pentecost and turned the world upside down, do you think he can still do that? I believe he can. I pray for revival all the time because I believe he can. When we, We were praying the other day, and Brother Jeff prayed a prayer, and he was like, Lord, I don't pray that you would give us mercy. I pray that you would give us judgment. And I said yes and amen to that. You know why? Because judgment will bring repentance. Because when you start to see this is evil, this is not good, there's consequences for sin, then you will either mock and be like, well, that's somebody else to deal with. Or you will turn and you will repent. But I believe firmly that God has called us into a relationship that he wants to do something in these last days of the last days. But here's the thing, church. It's on his terms, not ours. It must be done in his way, not ours. And it has to be done in his power, not ours. And so my closing question for you is this. Have you entrusted your life to the faithful promiser? Have you entrusted your life to the faithful promiser? And here's the second part of that question. Have you been faithful to him? Because again, it's easy to say, yes, Lord, here I am one day. On a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night. For me, it was a Friday night with my mom who led me to Christ said, yes, Lord, here I am. I want to give my life to you. That's that's a one-day experience. But almost 30 years later, praise God, he's preserved me by his grace. And so have you been faithful to him? 
I didn't say perfect. There, there, there is a day that will come that we will see perfection. When we celebrate communion, we celebrate that day. But you can be faithful despite imperfection. You can walk with him according to his plans. And if you're in here and you're like, no, you know what, if I'm honest, I have not been faithful. If I'm honest, I haven't been walking with him according to his will, but I want to. Today's the day. Today's an opportunity for us. We can pray for you. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet with us as we lift our songs to the Lord this morning. So I want to ask you to bow your heads. I want you to think about where you're at. If you're in this place and you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, that doesn't, that doesn't mean if today's your first day walking into a church ever or if you've been in church all your life, that doesn't make a difference. But you may have never put your faith. You may have never repented of your sin. You may have never turned away from your wickedness. Today's a day that you can do that. You can trust him today. Don't let today go by. Don't let the person beside you hinder you from responding to the Lord. If you know he's calling you, turn to him today. Give him your life. Surrender your heart. Allow him to give you new life so you can walk out of here empowered by his spirit to live for his glory. And if you're in this place and you have not been faithful to the Lord in your walk with him, you did repent, you have turned to him, but you haven't been faithful to live out the truth that he's called you to live. He, he, you haven't been faithful to live out the purpose that he has called you to live in. Today we want to pray for you as well because the grace of God is sufficient for all of us. And so as we sing and worship, if you're in here, you want to make a commitment to Christ, please come forward. Please allow us to pray with you. If, you. if you need prayer in this place for some other reason, whatever it is, please come forward. Let us pray for you. Hallelujah. I pray that you would touch the hearts of your people this day. Father, for every person in this room, God, that's afraid, Lord, maybe to ask for prayer, to admit that they haven't walking with Jesus faithfully as they should. Father, I pray by your spirit that you will give boldness, God. Boldness to stand with someone today for prayer, Lord. To pray with them, God. Because, Father, the reality is, is that sometimes the enemy wants to keep us from from reaching out, from, from standing, from firm in your word.
The enemy wants to keep us isolated and where we are, Lord, and we don't realize the blessing that there is in the gathering, God, and in the gifting, Lord, that you've placed on saints, Father. So, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would break away with that, God, in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray.